Hey, I'm Drew. And I'm Tim. And this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. In Season 2, Episode 37, we continue our roundtable discussion about the medium is the message. Welcome to another episode of the Hearts and Hands Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Sonnenberg, joined as always by my co-host, Tim Babbler. And Tim, uh, we get to continue with this great discussion we had um, last week what, what what are your thoughts on it? What what did you like about this conversation? Well, I'm going to actually go back to a, a couple of comments we had on uh, social media this week. Some people were laughing at the uh, when when Dan talks about it, it's going to get really nerdy real fast. And I'm like, well, do you see who's on the call? I mean, <laughs> I love the idea of this ragtag group, not to call us ragtag, but this <laughs> ragtag group of people from four different time zones that get together to talk about something so significant in a way that was not available to talk about when these scriptures were written. And that's a unique thing to me that we talked about so far. And that, you know, God God had his plans for how to make sure that we were able to access what he said. And we're doing it in such different ways than were originally handwritten by the, the authors themselves. But it's just, it's cool to see that even in today's world with new technology that didn't exist even 50 years ago, we're able to to talk about things and do things in such a way that would maybe have never been imaginable for our ancestors. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. Um, for our listeners who, you know, it's been a week since you listened to the first episode, just to remind you where we left off, uh, Dan had this comment about he him thinking that God wanted to be very clear, and that's why he had his word written down. So let's pick back up where we left off. I think it's it's saying something, too, that God didn't just say to these prophets, write down what you remember or write down what you've been told. He still went back to them with with direct inspiration individually and said, I, I wonder how many of these prophets as they're, as they're writing things down, or Moses, for example, when he's writing down the first five books, uh, the Pentateuch, and he's writing these down, it's like, that's a little different than I remember being told growing up. But it's the important things. Like th- This is the truth that God needs us to know. And instead of having to decipher, like you said, some code or, or petroglyphs, let's get directly from the source again. You know, I, I think it's interesting um, that just uh, last week, we're doing a, a study on the book of Revelation at my church right now. And we're in about chapter 10 or 11. And I can't remember exactly the verse, but there's this one little snippet where the skies open and the thunders roar and God instructs John, don't write that part down. <laughs> and I thought that was so interesting because there are other snippets in the in, in Revelation where John says, and he told me to write this part down. You know, and so, so it, it, there's this part of me that's jealous of all these old prophets that's like, wait, you got to see more than you wrote down? Hmm. That, oh man, why did you write it down? Bringing up Revelation does make me think what you were saying earlier, Dan, though, about um, in the storytelling tradition, um, the story can can morph and change over time. Um, if that's and that's how we get mythologies and things like that. Imagine if the book of Revelation was only transmitted by people telling each other the story of it. How wild it would get in a hurry. <laughs> Already wild. <laughs> right. But you know that 
this this train of thought is is taking me back to something I said at the very beginning, which is I was talking a little bit about the interpretation of <clears throat> you know when people uh, just people's body language or the things that we see can be interpreted. You know, I mean, you go into any art gallery and and you know there's fantastic imagery, but then it's what does it mean, right? But isn't that also true? Or maybe I should ask the question: Is it different? with a written word is there something about the written word that makes it more clear because like dan you were talking about oral history and how easily misinterpreted it is and you guys were just talking about revelation being misinterpreted and that the written word sort of is a buffer against that Um, is it true that the written word is less easily misinterpreted is that can we say that well other, if there weren't so many misinterpretations of it, maybe, you know, like, but, <laughs> right. but we, we have it and there are, I, I do think what you, maybe if I'm, I'm going to try to paraphrase back another, another way of phrasing it is that there is something about the written word when a thing is written down and, and we say, this is, this is the official copy that is very difficult to argue with that that at some point it is a standard bearer that everyone has to turn to, no matter what they're going to do interpretation-wise, they're starting there. And that that's something a little bit different than how my grandma tells the story versus how my, my great-aunt tells the story versus how their mom t- told the story before them. You know, that I, I see a difference there in, in the, the usefulness of the medium of the written word. Does that did I was that fair to what you're saying, Brandon? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and, and I guess I was just thinking about the fact that, you know, if I watch a scene from a movie that maybe doesn't have any dialogue, it's just actors acting out a moment. Like, you can have all kinds of wild interpretations, right? And you were saying it before, like, you know, the written word being better than a sunset, because I can sit there and I can look at a sunset and I can say, oh, this, this tells me this or this makes me think that. But what, what does it actually mean? The same can go for a movie. The same can go for, uh, and then like you're saying, like it can go for an oral history, but maybe the written word is in some way a little clearer because we look at the meaning of the words that are there. But that kind of rubs against uh, kind of a modern way of handling reading, this uh, thing that's called reader response theory. Now, Dan, if you want to talk about getting nerdy, now we'll really get nerdy for a second here, uh, where reader response theory is all about the idea that the meaning of the text itself is in is found in the reader, not in the person who wrote it, or that, there, that you cannot extract meaning from a text without somebody reading it. That, though, is exactly McLuhanism. Like, that, when Marshall McLuhan said the medium is the message what he was saying is that the point of all this stuff is communication the point of all this stuff is that there's not just one person involved in what's being said there are at least two people who have to be involved in what's being said and therefore the one who is trying to convey something must consider not only the words that they choose to use but also the medium by which those are delivered because that will also be interpreted by the recipient of what you're trying to communicate therefore like it, it is incumbent upon the person who is trying to communicate to consider all factors, not just the words that are, that are there, right? Like that, that, that reader response theory thing tries to pay attention to the both sides aspect of communication um, mm. for better and for worse. 
Yeah. Well, I think that there's there's kind of a passive and active nature to the brain in all of this too. There's <clears throat> when you read it and it, it, when you watch it in a movie, you're kind of passively taking in the medium. You're just watching it; it's kind of washing over you. When you read it, it's a different it's a different process. You're you're reading it; you have to interpret it, you have to think about it, you have to internalize it as it comes, um, and you have to build those pictures in your mind of what it what it looks like what it means why is this written this way and the the phrase that i wrote down in my notes here was the book was better than the movie you know how many times do we hear that where hmm. my my son just read and watched the original jurassic park films or like he read the book first and then he just he just watched the movie and after the movie i said what'd you think and he said the book was better this is a 12 year old <laughs> So I think that there's there's a difference in when we're talking about internalizing and now we're starting to get into like learning theory. How do we learn better? The written word forces us to interpret and analyze and and you know, dissect all of these little words where a film or some other medium uh, kind of spoon feeds it to you a little bit differently and your brain doesn't engage in the same way. I feel like there's something to be said that I, people will still line up and go to a midnight release of a book, not just movies. You know? I thought you were going to say movie. I thought you were going to say movie, and I was going to come back and say, that's because it's easier to yeah. watch a movie. It's easier to watch a movie than it is to read a book. Yeah. It, it's also, you know, kind of true that Jesus didn't tell us to hand people Bibles, you know, we, we end up being told to preach the word or to go and make disciples. So God contains a sort of, you know, clear codified standard message there, but then he doesn't necessarily make that uh, or say anything that, that says to us that we need to make that the exclusive method of communication of those things. Um, you look at the example of the apostles in the book of Acts, um, you look at the visions of Revelation, you know, something very different from a written, a written word. We have it in a written form, but that wasn't how it was communicated. And, and I think we see God being a bit more flexible when it comes to the delivery of it to people. So that, I think, adds to how we think about the, the word and its unique usefulness versus the idea of what God is overall trying to do. Kent, that's making me think of the idea that a lot of the writers of Scripture, they wrote with the intent that this would be read out loud to somebody. You know, especially like what Paul wrote. Um, I, I was reading a book just a little while ago where the guy was basically arguing that you cannot really truly understand the words that Paul says unless you sit and read them out loud. And when you do, you, you end up with a totally different understanding of what he's saying because he wrote them for that, that express purpose. Because he was writing to a society where the average person probably didn't have the ability to, even if they had the ability to read, they didn't have the ability to necessarily get their hands on a copy of what he wrote. Um, but he was assuming a setting in which um, there are Christians who are sitting around together and uh, hearing this read by their their pastor or whoever uh, it is that receives this. So that being said, does that 
you know, does that change kind of the idea of the medium being the message that if we live in a society now where it's very easy to just sit in my own, in my, you know, at home during quarantine, <laughs> read my Bible alone. And yet that wasn't how the Bible was intended to be conveyed in the first place. Oh, I think that's a big deal. I think that's a great, a great observation, right? Like that, that is fundamentally different than getting a, a Bible in every hotel uh, nightstand. Mm-hmm. Can I pivot the conversation and ask a little bit different, maybe more modern question for a second? This whole conversation, and even before the call, I was thinking about this in terms of the love languages and that that idea of communicating with your spouse or loved ones, and how you know there's different people communicate and different people desire different forms of communication. There's like Kent was saying earlier, there's both the the sender and the receiver end of things, and so. For example, my dad is a gift giver. That's his love language. He just he's he's constantly generous with kind of possessions, and he likes to give gifts. Other people want to have um, you know quality time or something like that. Other people, it's more of a physical you know a physical relationship. They'd rather have have hugs and and sit down right next to each other and all of those sorts of things. And so, you know, when we talk about the 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 medium is the message. And set aside the biblical conversation for just a second, and let and let's clarify this idea a little bit when we talk about how do we communicate with other humans. You know, how do we communicate with our spouses, or with our children, or with our parents, or with complete strangers, in ways that are are as effective as they can be? And sometimes, how do we slip up in those in those uh, those communications? It was funny. So my my dad. My dad is a high school track coach. He was my high school track coach back in 1996, and he's still coaching today. And so when I talk to him on the phone, when it's track season, we talk about track, right? Like we live 2,000 miles away from each other, but, but we talk about track on the phone. I don't know any of the kids that are on his team this year or anything like that. And it's funny because every once in a while, I'll, I'll hang up the phone, you know, we'll be done with our conversation, I'll be hanging up the phone. And my wife will go, you guys didn't say I love you at the end of your call. And I'll say, yeah, we did. We talked about track. Because <laughs> that's what's important to my dad, right? That's part of his life. So the question is a little bit like, we're debating you know, God's, God's form of communicating with us and the best ways to do that. But even interpersonally now, off topic of the Bible, Sometimes we trip. Sometimes we get this really well done. What do you guys think? Yeah. So even within within the literal text of the Bible, we have multiple uh, ways of communicating, whether it's through a history, through prophecy, through poetry, through vision, vision language, um, through letters. So, so that's going to hit different people in different ways. And then you know, God doesn't just give those. He also gives pastors and teachers and, and the, you know, ministers of the word who are going to deliver it to people via the spoken word or other media that they develop in order to do this. So, so do we get it wrong? A, like a, a ton. We can get it wrong as often as there are people we can communicate it with. Um, and that's why, like demographic research and learning to know your audience members and all that is is extremely important on the ministerial side of the work of salvation 
On the magisterial side of it, where God is involved, he always gets it right. And often, despite us, he gets it right. Like, you make this nice, like, sermon or this nice, you write up this nice thing for people to read, and then they, like, zero in on something that was accidental to it that you included uh, you know, on a whim or dropped out of your pocket, and and like that's the that's the the cornerstone they needed to get through the week, because uh, God chooses to to do better than we and our manipulations can do. Hmm. I'm thinking about what you said, Dan, about uh, about communicating love and the way that God is commu- You know, the way that God communicates His love to us is, but He communicates it. He does it through written word, but He. But, but like you going back to the beginning of the conversation, he does it through a story, and a story can can say so much more than than just telling me, right? If I tell you I, like your story about your dad, like I, I could understand where you were going right away before you even said it. That when you 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 related that your wife said, "Oh, you guys didn't tell tell you each other you loved each other." And I knew right away you were going to be like, well, yes, we did, <laughs> because that just made sense. That was like the logical conclusion of where you were going with that story, because the story itself communicated more than, yeah, than, than if you had just told that to me straight out. So, hmm. so God chooses to to give us this story as a way of saying I love you to us. I think there's something there. But I oh. gotta think of how to bring it together. <laughs> Absolutely, there is right. Like this, the whole, the whole everything is God saying to us, "I love you," um, and and he. It, there is no, there is no methodology. There is no pathway he will not use to attempt to communicate that to us. And it, big and small, right? So he, the sunset is a way that he does that. The existence of the universe is a way that he does that. The bird outside your window is a way that he does that. The pain in your life is a way that he does that. The word of God is the way that he does that. The crucifixion is probably the like no greater love type way that he does that, that we, we can really hang our hats on in a powerful way. But there, there is nothing, there's no time whether it's law that he's delivering or, or gospel or whatever, that he is not trying to say to you, I want to spend some time with you because I love you. And, and, and that, you know, that, that's his whole, his whole deal. Um, mm-hmm. I guess going back to that love languages talk too, like God has to appeal to all of the love languages. People are going to receive the message in completely different ways. If it's only delivered by one we keep saying method. Yes, the method being written form, but he didn't, like we said, it's not just one specific thing. It's not just, uh, he didn't, he didn't reveal the entirety of the, the Bible to just one person and say, now write this down real quick. The number of different people that were authors, the number of different experiences that people had, the people who were eyewitnesses, the people like Dr. Luke who went back and was like, I need to write up an order of the account of things that have happened for you, my good friend Theophilus, so you can understand what has transpired among us. Like, I, I resonate with Luke very, very much. I resonate with with his writings. Um, and there are others who would be like, no, I'm a, I'm a huge Matthew guy. Give me facts first. Like, I, oh, I never thought of it that way. That's interesting. Brandon, who, who's your gospel writer? Probably John. Dan, who's yours? Daniel. Nice. Nice. <laughs> well, think about it. They're all writing about the same thing. They're all writing about the same thing. Yeah. Right? They're all writing about God's plan for 
for salvation. They're all trying to record that. And they, they, you know, the guys that we've mentioned so far have come in different parts of the timeline, you know, the, the worldly chronological timeline, but they're all looking at the same events just through from slightly different angles. Yeah. And Daniel's all about it. True. Who's yours? John, definitely John. Yeah. I'm all John. I'm all John all day. Um, maybe even John one, or I mean, not John, maybe even first John, um, oh, first John. Yeah. Right. Like that's interesting. Cause then that's all different ways that God's communicating to us. I'm a big fan of mystery. I mean, obviously I'm a magician. And so I like, I play in that realm. And I, I think one of the reasons why I stayed in magic, this isn't the reason I got into it, but one of the reasons I've stayed in magic and why I talk about it with other Christians is that God has left so much to mystery. He hasn't told us everything. He hasn't revealed everything to us. Um, not that it's not there, not that he doesn't have a plan for it, but we just don't know. And I think, I think that sometimes God, God has hidden things with the hope that we're going to find it and discover it. Like when you look at so much of science, I love the word discover. I think that's such an interesting word. Like, it literally means to uncover, to decover something, discover it, right? Like mm-hmm. discard, discover. And so it was there the whole time, but we just didn't know about it yet. God put it there, but we didn't know. And so I think buried in the word, buried in, in scripture, I, I know that this is true for myself, and I know that it's true for a few other pe- for other people too, that sometimes you have to discover new angles, different things that have always been in there, but are now your, your brain is finally attuned to it or mature enough or whatever it is that you, you latch onto it at that point. That wraps it up for another episode of the podcast. Uh, stay tuned next week for the thrilling conclusion of this round table. Um, and as always, if you have questions you want answers to people you want to hear from, or you're an artist and you want to talk about the projects you're working on, feel free to reach out to us at hearts and hands podcast at gmail.com or on any social media platform at Wells creatives. And if you feel so inclined to make a donation to keep this ministry going, please check us out on patreon.com slash hearts and hands podcast. As a part of your donation, you can also receive instant access to bonus features and uncut episodes. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.